actually do so. Uh, Mark uh, is in Virginia trying to sell the government some ludicrously overpriced uh, solution from Boeing. Um, so uh, riding shotgun this week is uh, Jerome. Um, Jerome, uh, he gave his, uh, his bio last week. He's uh, sort of the, uh, the godfather of Washington judging. Um, you know, he's been around far longer than I have. Uh, fantastic palate. Um, one of the better judging experiences I've ever had was sitting down uh, a few years back when I was, uh, I had taken the exam, but I was, had not gotten the result back. Uh, and so I was paired with Jerome uh, for a flight and we ended up going through 17 beers in an afternoon uh, at uh, the uh, Cascade Brewers Cup. And it was uh, enlightening, eye-opening, and, uh, and a lot of fun. And, you know. Wow, that you had a good experience. Yeah, well I have to say that now. Um, in a little bit I'll be sending around just a sign-in sheet uh, just so I can keep track of uh, who's here and who's not. And because I'm so terrible with names, I don't really remember anybody. You may or may not have been here last week. Um, so this, uh, this week we're going to take another quick review of the score sheet. I know Mark went into it uh, pretty in-depth uh, last week. We're going to taste a couple of beers uh, as a group. Uh, try to come up with you know sort of cohesive stories of what we're smelling and tasting and, and getting out of it um, and then uh, we're going to start start talking about faults uh, go over the fault checklist um, we've got three faults to uh, to taste uh, light struck uh, husky grainy and dms um, so you'll get uh, a an undoctored coors light sample and then we'll pass around a picture where uh, uh, it's been added with the uh, the siebel institute's faults for for that and uh, talk about it and causes. Um, and then we'll talk about uh, fantastic beers and the uh, standard American beer, international lager, and pale multi-European lager categories. And if we get that done, then Mark will be so proud of me. Oh, sure. Um, so just to go over a quick overview of the score sheets, um, like Mark said, the uh, for the uh, GAB for the uh, uh, yes the BJCP exam, um, you know one of the uh, one of the the twenty percent categories of, that make up your score is completeness, and completeness is defined as touching on each of the different cues uh, in each area. So in aroma, it's malt, hops, esters, and you know any other aromatics. Um, generally, people are just looking. The graders are looking. Did you cover malt, hops, and esters? Uh, you know, if there's something else, if you're getting an off flavor, you know, that's great, but you don't have to necessarily note no other aromatics. Um, uh, you know, same thing uh, with appearance, it's color, clarity, um, the head retention, uh, or the head, which is retention, color, and uh, texture. Um, flavor, again, you've got malt hops, uh, fermentation characteristics. So, you know, in addition to the esters that you might be noting in the aroma, you know, if it's a lager yeast, there might be some uh, some minerality, some sulfur character that comes out. Um, you're going to do the balance, and the balance is not well balanced. Um, the balance is what is sticking out. Uh, it can be evenly balanced. You know, if the malt and the hops are are working together similarly, but it can't. You can't say this beer is well balanced because that's sort of a meaningless. You know, well that doesn't tell me anything about the uh, the beer. Um, what page are you looking at? I'm just looking at a score sheet. Uh, yeah, so it's uh, the cues in each, you know, it says aroma, um, 
and then in parentheses it says as appropriate for style, and then right underneath that it says comment on malt hops, esters, and other aromatics. Um, and like we said last week, uh, if, if they're you know if you're judging a malt forward beer and there really is very little to no hops, you know no hops is appropriate and covers your completeness um, as far as the exam is concerned. Uh, when you're judging somewhat less important and the most important thing you're doing if you're sitting down in a competition is you're providing a flavor description feedback to the entrant um, you know and they don't you know like I said if it's if it's a Munich Dunkel not supposed to have a level hop you know saying no hops just is maybe not necessary um, you know if you're covering more of you know oh this malt is you know toast lightly toasted uh, you know dark bread crust you know, sorts of things. Though that is much more important, uh, at least in, in, you know, from a competition organizer's perspective, than saying, "Oh, well, you know, it's it's uh, got a bready malt, and there are no hops, no esters." You know, I'd much rather have actual descriptors going in. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so going back to the uh, flavor, there's the balance. Uh, finish and aftertaste. You know, how does it finish? Does it finish dry? Is it cloying? Um, you know, and then two or three seconds later, what is sort of that residual flavor? Is it, you know, a, a resiny hop? Is it, you know, a lot of times it can be like a, a you know, a, a pie cherry or something along those lines. Um, you know, and you could also add, you know, a light in terms of intensity. You know, is it still filling my mouth? Like I feel like I'm still chewing on a hop, the uh, hop cone, or is it, you know, very subtle? Does it sort of wash away? Um, uh, and other flavor characteristics, uh, which covers all of the horrible things that can go wrong in a beer uh, that we'll be exploring uh, later on. Fruit, special Fruit. ingredients, yeah. spices, vegetables, whatever. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, I guess when you've got a specialty, uh, uh, Especially component to the beer, obviously it needs to be included. You know mm -hmm. that that also is covered under the other characteristics. Um, Mouthfeel, uh, pretty simple section to fill out. We're just going to we're gonna stand here and watch. The body, it's sort of how heavy is this beer? Uh, you know, is is it light, like uh, closer to water than it is, you know, a thick, syrupy, bar, style barley wine? Uh, um, you know, sort of it's the, what you describe as the heaviness of the, uh, of the beer. Um, Viscosity. Viscosity. Yes, viscosity. Yeah. Uh, carbonation, that's pretty easy. You know, uh, two volumes is going to be a low carbonation. Three and a half volumes is going to be high carbonation. You know, two and a half-ish, right, Alex, in terms of a normal American ale carbonation? Yeah, two, two, four, two, five. Two, four, two, five. Um, and that's just simply how much CO2 is dissolved into the... Uh, into the beer. Um, you've got to sort of take into account the fact that you're pouring it, um, you know, and where it's coming from on the exam, it's obviously gonna be poured out of a pitcher, so it will have been poured once in there and then into your glass, potentially doctored and stirred. Um, so, you know, 
your, your carbonation is going to be on the lower end um, uh, on an exam. Uh, creaminess, you know, does it have that luxuriousness? Uh, uh, luxuriousness? Yes, that <laughs> in the uh, in the mouthfeel, you know, is it uh, versus like prickly? Uh, you know, I sort of think of those two as the opposite ends of, of a spectrum of, you know, how does this beer actually sort of lay on the tongue and, and feel? And part of that is a combination of how is it coming out, how is the CO2 coming out of solution? Um, you know, so something that's nitrogenated, uh, uh, like a Guinness, you know, would be 10 more creamy um, just because the bubbles are smaller and they're all coming out of solution all at once. Um, Whereas like a German style Pilsner, you know, that carbonation can end up being kind of prickly um, and, uh, uh, and, you know, combined with the, the hot bitterness to be a lot sharper. Um, 2.67 values. Yeah. Two, yes, exactly. yes. Um, At uh, 38 degrees. Yes. Um, uh, astringency, uh, we're actually going to get uh, a pretty good example of what astringency is when we taste the, uh, the husky uh, uh, grainy off flavor, um, but it's, it's quite literally uh, uh, normally derived from tannins um, that are present uh, in the beer. Um, you, you can get some hop derived astringency from the, uh, from the plant matter, um, but so once we get to that in a half hour or so, we'll, uh, hopefully it'll be a very, and it's a palate sensation, not a flavor. Um, so you're going to feel it sort of pulling uh, and drying at the uh, the top of your mouth. Um, uh, the overall impression uh, here is where you get a chance to go beyond providing sensory feedback and say, "This is what the beer is." You know, you you want to say something positive generally to start. You know, I said, you know, this, you know, this seems like it's a great recipe, but you you shouldn't have aged it on the roof of your car all summer long and then you know assumed it was going to do well um, for the uh, for the BJCP exam uh, they're going to look for some sort of feedback if it's not a 50 point beer there's got to be a reason it's not 50 points and so you need to provide you know it can be a wonderful beer at 45 and you've still got to have something to say you know maybe if it was you know, whatever, if the, the hop flavor was a little more cohesive or, you know, something, some little detail that you've identified up in the, uh, up in the upper sections. Um, like we said last week, don't discover a flaw. Um, you know, don't go through and not call out any sort of oxidative character and then come back to the bottom and say, oh, but you really need to watch O2 pickup, you know, post-fermentation because you could get these, these staling compounds and, you know, so you'll get docked for not having something that ties in um, or identifying uh, an off flavor or a problem and not giving good solution. Uh, you know, if the problem is hop flavor, you don't want to say, you know, add more hops at the beginning of the boil. Um, uh, not that we've covered that Bouncing around. But when we talk about hops, those mostly contribute to bitterness, not to hop flavor. You want later additions of hops. Um, I think we cover hops in a couple of weeks uh, to talk about to, to talk about that. Um, I, I believe Mark included uh, a set of six uh, that BJCP is identified as good quality score sheets. Do you guys have those in your binder? I have a question about that. Yeah. 
First, is everyone comfortable temperature-wise? Does it need to be lower in here? Okay. I'd love it to be about 55. I would, I would. <laughs> um, how often do you see score sheets, though, like those examples? Because you've seen some of my notes, and I, you know, I barely yeah, I mean, these, these are them. written specifically for an exam, so that's somebody who's really taking it, you know, dead on serious. Um, you know, the best the best score sheets, and, and hopefully we'll be able to come up with cohesive, are, are ones that tell a story about what somebody's tasting. Um, you know, so you start off with, you know, what, on aroma, what is the first thing you get that, that the highest intensity, and then sort of work your way down um, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, a strong hoppiness, but now I'm gonna, you know, drill down into that, that third level descriptor of, you know, it's a citrus, it's a tangerine peel, uh, you know, that's very specific, that, that really paints a vivid picture in whoever's reading its mind that, you know, this is the beer that I'm tasting. Uh, you know, obviously commercial score sheets are a lot different. Um, you know, those, the, the commercial score sheets really should do more a better job of, you know, here's what I'm perceiving. Uh, you know, this is perception, but also here's feedback to really help you be a better brewer. Whereas on the pro side, do you really want me telling you what to do, Alex? You should really. But some notes are, are really helpful and why people are picking stuff up. And so it's, um, you saw, so Mark and Peter looked at my notes from, um, we did well at JBF last year, we won a gold medal. Um, and they looked at my notes because we were finishing with the same beer. And they said, these notes really suck, actually. Tells you nothing. Yeah. And so I've just noticed, you know, this is a great beer, or this is in the wrong category. And or, it's like, that doesn't help me. Or aroma good. Right. Okay, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's a little bit different scenario. You know, with uh, BJCP, you're sitting down and you have 10 minutes with a single beer. Uh, at GABF, they're bringing out eight to 12 beers all at once, setting them in front of you. Uh, and, and they give you a GABF, you've got a, uh, a pad uh, that uh, copies to like a uh, check, uh, check register with where you've got the carbon copy underneath. So you've got pads of these, and so you you know you stick your thing underneath, you rip through, and do the best job you can on this beer. And all around you, you hear people like, and, and you know as they're moving on, um, you know, and then everybody has to be finished to then have a discussion about the beers that are arrayed in front of them. Um, and so you know they're. There are people that are judging just because they are in the industry. Doesn't make them necessarily bad perceivers, but maybe they don't do as great a job providing that, that feedback that says, you know, mm -hmm. I really get passion fruit out of these hops. Because, you know, I think that's what's helpful to you, uh, or especially if there's an off perception. You know, I'm really getting a lot of green bell pepper. Um, and I noticed judging GABF, uh, there was a lot more technical jargon in terms of, you know, I call it green bell pepper, you're saying it's four tetracyanine, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I tend to, to speak about descriptors and a lot of brewers will speak in terms of compounds and, and brewing process. Right. Um, did I answer the question or did I just yeah. sort of ramble on? No, uh, I mean, it, it explains it a lot. Notes are very helpful. Yeah. To everyone. No, so I mean, if you do have the the, uh, and I assume because there's two copies on the website, 
Um, one since uh, one with the older exam and one with the uh, the newer exam, the, the six. You know the things that uh, uh, you know, like for the first beer, it's a Vienna Lager. You know, rich maltiness, toasty, bready, lightly caramelly, with some Maillard pun product pungency and moderately strong. Fairly dry finish with a little bit of hop flavor, flavor floral in parentheses, and quite a bit of malt richness that lingers. Moderate bitterness, uh, okay, which is something I despise when people write okay. Um, the hop flavor starts early and uh, lasts into the aftertaste. Uh, also okay, but slightly harsh. Fairly crisp finish, not tart, but pH on the low side, which makes it kind of lively. Is that your beer? No. I. Uh I got away from stating okay and used okay to style as a way of qualifying it. Um, is that, that's, I know that's, that's still not the best language to use. You know, I'm just not a you big a fan of, where you're, I would rather you say, you know, maybe it's on the high side, but seems in range for mm -hmm. the style. Uh, you know, I, I just, <coughs> to me, the first four boxes are, you are describing the beer. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I, I don't care whether it, you know, I, yeah. that's that's sort of what, you know, at least in my mind, you know, that's what I want the overall impression to be, you know, mm -hmm. to, to say, you know, hey, listen, it's, you know, maybe a little bit bitter. It's right on the edge of getting out of style, um, you know, but as a grader, it just drove me crazy yeah. to have, you know, uh, comment dash okay, uh, you know, comment dash okay, and people would fill the, the score sheet with that, and yeah. it, it just drove me absolutely uh, bonkers. Because um, he like, I mean, I think this is a great score sheet, and this is something great as a, as a standard. Mm -hmm. I'm not really a great writer. Mm -hmm. My approach is to, um, in each, each area, in each queue, mm -hmm. is to quantify it, mm -hmm. low, medium, yeah. et cetera, and then qualify it by describing the flavor. Yeah. Starting off with the, the high vector, you know, if you use the the flavor wheel as a reference, and then and then go down, and then just try to hit high points. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, that's just just my style. Yeah. No, I, I and, and Jerome, your score sheets are fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, there's there's nothing to. Uh, yes, they are. Yes, yes. Um, but I think like for for a lot of folks in the room here that maybe don't have a lot of experience in the program, you know, don't you shouldn't feel intimidated by. I mean, these are great score sheets. But what you're involved in is part of a process, and it's something that you know you can be mindful of. But I think that you know to Peter's earlier earlier point about completeness, you know, that's um, relative to the exam. That's really the most important thing. You got to make sure that you hit hit all those points. Um, and if you don't get tangerine, don't worry about it. You know you can speak about the citrus quality of a hop of flavor and aroma. Um, is certainly acceptable. I mean, a lot of people don't think of beer flavors in those in that way. Um, maybe more people should. Might be a better experience for them. But I don't. You know, you shouldn't feel intimidated by um, by that. Also, uh, this mouthfeel for body. Think of it. One way to kind of think of it is uh, a scale of. Uh, Kind of weights on the palate, viscosity, maybe like fruit juice at one end and milkshakes at the other, and how you know body kind of fits in there. You may end up like let's say you're you're uh, evaluating a, a really thick and 
rich German style wheat beer that might have some aspect of the body that's as well as being maybe you know full body might have some milkshake aspect to it you might want to pull out some comments relative to that sorry I didn't mean to abandon you Jerome. no that's fine I'm, I'm, I'm just ripping off that in my head yeah yeah please <coughs> and then I think that when I fill out a score sheet I tend to hit the finish more in the mouthfeel but I guess you know kind of getting Peter and Mark's take on it you know that is one of the cues in the flavor area but this palate sensations a lot of times you know maybe uh, that's where you can make a note about how beers late in the finish sometimes really hobby beers have a long resinous finish maybe that that first that first step in the front finishes kind of crisp but kind of later you make it more resin or like a late alcohol late sweet alcohol fume in the sinus that might be where you could note that so when I pass to start the first beer around uh, I basically you know just like last week throw out perceptions and uh, uh, as you're getting them uh, and we'll try to come and come together to sort of create a whole paragraph that we might want to uh, might want to and this is going to be an American IPA from Pelican <laughs> I just threw the tag away. I'm like, damn it, I should have double checked. <laughs> Pretty sure. for thinking ahead. Some people are more interested in taking the Cicerone exam. You can ignore the completeness. I'm not. I don't have any idea what the format of the Cicerone exam uh, is. But in terms of tasting, I, I think that all of those notes, you know, are, are, you know, make sure you're, you're covering it. Make sure you're doing third level. Um, make sure you're. It's a vector, so it's an intensity, um, flavor. What else is? I'm sorry. I'm using Mark's uh, vector thing, and I'm just dropping it on the floor. All right, Mark will share the vector well, thing with you next week. I just think it like quanti quantify it and qualify yes. it. Yeah. Speak about the, the intensity and then describe the specificity, the flavor. Thank you. So, what are people getting uh, in the aroma? Floral, citrus, resin. 
The, uh, the bud or the, the flowers that's releasing that. White tea roses, gardenia. I get a little mandarin orange. Lots you, have to yeah. <laughs> you just have to you go with it. Get <laughs> uh, kind of like a, a strong tea. In the aroma or the flavor? Yes. Okay. So we'd say, what intensity of uh, of hops? Low, medium, high? Medium. medium. Yeah, medium. Uh, so moderate floral hop character. Um, and then you'd put in parentheses, Jerome thanks gardenia. Well, um, and then the, the grader will go, who is Jerome? <laughs> Minus two. Um, what about the uh, the qualities of the malt? Uh, a bit light. Kind of a tea, tea biscuit. Yeah, it's sort of, it's not really caramelly. It's mm -hmm. more just sort of a, a sweetness. Maybe like Cheerio, kind of grainy. Just kind of light. It's, it's like a sweetened Cheerio for me, yeah. but not, yeah. not quite honey nut. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Somewhere we should. Maybe not quite frosted. Yeah. Like a bowl of half and half. Half frosted, half. There you go. Uh, 2% milk, though. Uh, esters. Are there any fruit characteristics that you would not assign to the hops? I don't really get anything. Mm -hmm. Get kind of like up front. It had to be it had kind of like a cut a cut peach mm -hmm. aroma. I think it was very. Uh, but with some of the newer hop varieties that kind of have a stone fruit thing going on. Yes, it's, for me it was slightly on on the tropical side, mm -hmm. so more uh, juicy fruit. Yeah, or mango, um, something like that. But a very light mango, not a super overripe. Um, I need to eat fruit more. <laughs> well, just make it up. <laughs> <laughs> we've, so, we've already said you can't be wrong. Uh, I was getting more tropical flowers or anything. I was getting like papaya. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's. I mean, but but it also you sort of see the floral character that that can bring as well. Um, you know, so we'd say you know. Uh, Light, sweet, malty note. Uh, maybe even put a note. You know, not real caramelly. Um, no detectable esters underneath the. Uh, uh, and you know, there we've hit all three cues. We've given a fairly decent description of, of what it is, so that somebody can pick that up, and know immediately. You know, okay, we're starting from the most intense thing first. We know, you know, what's being perceived. Um, uh, I don't particularly want to linger too much on, you know, it's uh, solid, uh, solid medium gold, light gold color, light. Yeah. gold, yeah. fairly good uh, clarity. Um, mine poured with a, a real uh, low off white head. Yeah, the dense, um, dense foam. Yes, that uh, 
is being replenished. Um, persists, that's the term. Yeah, persists, yes. Has kind of a dank, not so fresh thing going on. Also, underneath, down in the cellar. Dank, earthy. Uh, when you said the um, persists, was that in relation to the phone? Just not the the head, just not going away. Specifically? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but well, it feels like I mean I'm getting bubbles that are coming up from the bottom of the glass. Yeah. Um, so it's continually refueling the head. Okay. Um, you know, basically we said last week, good head retention is less than falling by less than half over the course of a minute. Um, so that's how you judge the dead, you know, and a lot of times you're, you're not going to have a particularly great uh, retention. Um, uh, so flavor-wise, uh, what sticks out the most in terms of malt hops, yeast character? The hop bitterness. Hop bitterness? So that would be a Hop bitter forward, bitter forward, hop forward beer. Yeah, um, you know I would probably, I I generally don't talk such bitterness until after I've described the actual hop character. Okay, but that's just how my mind works. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's certainly moderately high to high bitterness um, that uh, really sort of ends the ends the sip solidly. get a lot more than the, the, the tea character. Uh, feels like it's slightly tannic. Um, what else? Do you think there's a difference between astringency and tannic, or those are just the same? I generally use them interchangeably. Uh, you know, you can get astringency from things other than tannins, uh, but this to me feels like a tannic um, kind of a buckwheat. Yeah, it's tea a bit kind of scandal. Yeah, I can hear. Yeah, yeah, tea, tea leaf. Yeah, uh, you know, sucking on a tea bag. Yeah, if you ever uh, had your wisdom teeth out and your mom said that that's what would make the bleeding stop, and so she jammed it in your mouth, uh, and your spring break was miserable. It's not like a personal story. Yeah. 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 You call child protective too, or you, sometimes you can feel it on the on the sides of your tongue. But, mm -hmm. Like a bitter astringency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what do you do with the label for this beer? Of whose beer this is? Uh, it's in the uh, in your recycling. Okay. I'll tell you who it is once we're done tasting. Yeah. Once we're done, yeah. I'd yeah. like to know. And, and then you can tell me what style it is. Oh, it's definitely an idea. <laughs> I mean, compared to last week's beer. <laughs> um, do we have uh, more hop flavor? Lots of hop flavor. Uh, I feel like I get uh, some grapefruit and pineapple. Everyone's nodding, but they're looking at me like that I'm sounds good. good. Yeah, grapefruit. Mm -hmm. um, but a little grassy. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the hops are strong and maybe overpowering. Um, the, the malt underneath. It lingers a bit for sure. Very cozy for your mouth. Yeah, that's sort of a resiny, vegetal character. Um, 
you know, carbonation medium high, body medium low. Yeah, that seems to be lacking a little bit of body to hold up. Um, well, we talked about the uh, uh, the tannic component. Um, so there's uh, you know a moderate astringency at least. Uh, You know, in terms of overall impression, you know, boy, the, the hops really jump out of this beer. You know, that's great. Unfortunately, you know, I, I'm getting an astringency. Um, seems like it might be coming from over dry hopping or, or you know, hop bursting at the very end of the boil that's, that's taking away from the, the delicious hop flavor. Body seems maybe a little bit on the light side um, to support all that bitterness. Um, so you know, maybe dial that back the bittering hops at the, uh, the initial. Um, if you're doing that, or if you're hop bursting all at the end, maybe use a smaller amount earlier in the boil to try to reduce just the, the sheer amount of hop matter going into the, uh, into the beer. But you feel some uh, malt uh, taste? Uh, it's more of a feeling than a taste. Um, I cannot feel any, uh, as what, you said, the hops is yeah. everything basically. Yeah, and the, and the low body also contributes to the, it's just sort of being washed away uh, by the, the hop character. Am I wrong if I say it seems to be dry also? Yeah, no, that's, that's what we were talking about to, on the lighter end of the body. Um, so maybe you know if you want to address that you know if you're and here's we also when, you, when you're doing the uh, the, the uh, BJCP exam always qualify your statements you know if you're all grain maybe use a higher mash temperature or throw in some bodybuilding uh, malts so that you're not assuming that somebody is um, you know doing all grain because you know if that they get it back and they're not doing all grain. Basically, you have no credibility at that point. You're like, well, you're an idiot. So, as it says in the warm, it's probably more juicy fruit. Yeah, avoid making assumptions about process. Yeah, you can describe the quality of flavor that you're trying to, you, know, you want to come up to talk about, and then offer some solutions. Uh, so that was Stoop Citra IPA. Really? Yeah. Huh. That explains it. I was because I've had that beer before. I mean, it doesn't mean anything, but and it's not had that resiny. Um, now, didn't it? Strange. I thought they brought an award very this year, well. didn't it? I don't know, but it was very well balanced. Yeah. That? So well, I'm surprised. Yeah, and it's, that's the variation. Yeah, and variation okay. batch to batch. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this, I'm gonna pass around. It's gonna be a robust porter. Thank <laughs> you. 
strong toasted hazelnuts and chocolate comes across as sweet uh, no hop aroma almost workers and buttery for me yeah yeah it's the the butterscotch for me it could very well be uh, diacetyl mm -hmm. 
Not really like briny salty, but just uh, like the pure stuff, table salt. Maybe like a, salted caramel. Is everybody kind of getting that, that buttery, butterscotchy in the aroma? The, the chocolate does that as well. Yeah. So, so often the milk chocolate is, is vanillified. Flavor-wise, somebody throw something out. the same notes that the aroma did. A little buttery, chocolatey, residual bitterness, rich. There's definitely a stronger coffee note that, that definitely had like almost a Swiss Miss hot mm -hmm. chocolate. Um, uh, hardly any or no hot flavor. No. no. Solidly bitter mixing in with the uh, the uh, Acrid uh, notes of the malt. Uh, finishes sort of like a uh, chocolate coated espresso bean does. It's a little roasty in the finish, you get more of that <clears throat> coffee. Yeah, that's a good, a good descriptor. Seems a little hot. I feel like I'm getting a uh, little alcohol volatilizing up uh, the back of uh, uh, my uh, head holes. Right <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you guys, do you talk at all about how to taste, like the mechanical? No, you, you can, absolutely. Um, take a sip of beer in your mouth and uh, keep it keep it in your mouth within your teeth and if you kind of move your tongue to the roof of your mouth to kind of agitate the beer that'll push co2 out of solution and that'll help give you an idea of the how the conditioning of the beer the amount of gas and solution kind of plays with the body um, that'll help when you're when you get a beer like this it has this, a very creamy aspect to it um, that'll help pull that out. And then as you swallow, keep your mouth closed if you can, and just breathe out through your nose. And sometimes you'll get a, um, a sense of like a alcoholic warmth, or in some case, like beers that uh, might have a very spicy yeast character, phenolic, that you might help pick up certain hints of that. Yeah, so much of it is making sure it's going back up through your uh, yeah. olfactory uh, sense to get the, uh, the the subtle details of the. Uh, so you want to make. I mean, part of it is at least I feel it's important to agitate the beer in your mouth in a uniform manner. It's not like you need to. It's not like you gargle and mouthwash, but just kind of get it, get it moving. And unlike wine, you really do need to swallow it to get the entire taste. You know, we don't just say that theoretically because we're drunks. 
it's because you're required to to get you know some of that final uh, final feedback. Um, so it's a fairly light body. Um, so I get uh, some a little bit of warming, uh, or at least some acetone but some higher alcohol that's that's volatilizing off for me um, the butterscotch isn't as pronounced uh, uh, so it could just be that toffee-ish malt character mm -hmm. is, is rather than it being necessarily a diacetyl it's a uh, the buttery Basically, it's the. But do you feel something? I, I, in the flavor, not so much. I got some butter sort of in the middle of the taste. I think I finally have it finished. Yeah, I, it, it could be in there. I, I guess I feel less confident than I did with the aroma, where I felt like, oh yeah, I think I'm getting butterscotch, um, candy type thing. Um, but I think the flavor to me is a little bit roastier and it kind of covered that up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It certainly got that, that coffee note rather that didn't come through in the uh, the aroma where it was much more chocolatey um, and sweet. Um, anybody else have anything that we're not picking up? I thought like there was butterscotch in the beginning a little bit more. Of the uh, of the flavor, not as yeah, it's warming up. Okay. Just reading over the style real quickly, it, it seems balanced towards the, the sweeter, especially in the aroma, that you're not getting a, uh, a, a richness. Um, I guess it says it can be sweet. That's one of the flavor descriptors. It just didn't feel well balanced to me. Like, Sport, it just seemed sweet and chocolatey, um, light body, possibly some diacetyl issues. Um, quick, somebody bail me out here. That sounds pretty complete, Peter. Thank you. Good work. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going on. I'm concerned about the diacetyl because in the new, the, two, the 15. Style guidelines doesn't address basil explicitly mm -hmm. in the 08 low to none. Right. No, right. Then the low is acceptable. This, the 15 <coughs> right up, just mentions uh, ale yeast can either be clean US versions or characterful English varieties. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing about basil is it can be tricky. Just because it's present doesn't mean it's necessarily fault. It's the it's the degree of the presence, right. and it does it may or may not have significant fermentation byproducts. Right. Um, you know, which diacetyl is a byproduct of fermentation. It's a it's a precursor to through the, the whole process. Um, so in this case, you have to call it out and yeah. judge. <laughs> How how you describe it and how you uh... yeah I mean you can certainly say you know, maybe it's detracting from the yes. rest of the beer ergo you should clean it up clean it up 
<coughs> Joker. We're talking about the um, moderately high carbonation. I mean, it's not getting, uh, no, it's very, uh, very slightly carbonated. Uh, it's much, yeah, and it's granted this is now American Porter and not robust Porter, but as a robust Porter, I expect much more of that, that roasty character uh, and not nearly as much of the sweetness, uh, even in the, in the flavor. But you know, with the new with, with the new guidelines, you really have to, to take a look. And uh, what number is it? Uh, this is twenty A, uh, page thirty five of the two thousand fifteen guidelines. Uh, and this was Spinnaker Bay Brewing's "Don't Panic." Uh, according to the tag, silky smooth porter with well balanced chocolate, caramel, and mocha flavors. about diacetyl, let's uh, talk about beer faults. Uh, the, Mark showed the uh, beer fault checklist last week um, that a lot of times they'll have out on the table at uh, BJCP uh, competitions um, just to try to help put uh, uh, a stake in the ground in terms of, you know, here are the types of off flavors you can get. Um, and then at the back of the BJCP exam guide, section F uh, has basically uh, a paragraph on each fault. Um, and so we'll talk about, once we go start going through uh, the, uh, the off-flavor uh, kit uh, here in a couple of minutes, we'll you know, sort of talk about what it is, what the flavor compound is, um, uh, what causes it, um, and is it ever okay in a beer, uh, and uh, Surprisingly, a lot of them can be found in beers. Um, uh, so they don't quite directly cross over. You know, there are some that, uh, that do, but others are uh, moved around a bit. Um, I guess the three that we're going to talk about today are light, struck, and skunky. Anybody not sort of have an idea of what that is uh, straight off the bat? Heineken, sure. Um, uh, husky and grainy. Uh, that's a little more abstract, uh, but it's maybe something you've come across in beers before. Sure. <laughs> Uh, and then DMS, which is dimethyl sulfide, um, which is a product uh, that can be created. Uh, it comes from the malt, the precursor to it. Um, uh, and if you don't do a vigorous enough, vigorous enough boil for a long enough period of time, you can end up with sort of a cooked corn, cooked vegetable flavor um, in your beer. without further ado, you want to vamp while I uh, doctor up some beer? Sure. Uh, I'll pass around the uh, undoctored cans of Coors Light. Um, and you guys have a, have a reference sample and then uh, 
These are both the same. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just trying to uh, expedite okay. how the qualifiers work. The good news is, got some on my fingers. Guess what? Guess who's smelling skunky? <laughs> That's okay, Peter. It's legal. I noticed you didn't break into it this week. 
was tempting. I didn't know they would stored it there, and I walked. I saw it the next day, and I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> So they send dosing for one liter. Um, I tend to go a little bit heavier, uh, A, because I don't necessarily need to dilute it down, uh, and B, to really get the... Uh, so this is a doctor thing? Uh, no, that's the end doctor. <laughs> You're just smelling my fingers. Well, no, that's... We got doctors. So, I think Jerome covered it, but uh, light struck uh, or skunky. Um, uh, it's basically the uh, pop compounds uh, convert when being struck by uh, sunlight uh, directly into, uh, uh, essentially, say what it is. It says the ultraviolet light cleaves an isocumulone molecule and the resulting uh, radical combines with sulfur compound. Um, basically, it's, it's pop gets turned, uh, you know, something on the molecule gets turned, it, uh, it then becomes permanently skunky. Um, uh, the best protection is uh, brown bottles or cans, um, uh, but it will, you can't get light struck in a brown bottle, it just takes longer. Best, you know, obviously, best protection is to keep it out of sunlight and uh, out of UV. Or if you ferment in clear glass, keep it keep it covered or put away because you're fermenting very well skunk. You're in the fermentation process as yeah. well. Yeah. As soon as you have the that that those compounds in solution from the hops, you know, as soon as it's susceptible to. So if you're doing a secondary right, in a glass carboy, yeah. um, you know, and there's a chance that the, the, the light will catch it at some point during the day, you know, make sure you throw a t-shirt on it, uh, keep it safe, uh, keep it happy. Um, you know, they do say that, uh, that Miller, uh, you know, use, utilizes a uh, chemically modified form of the isopenolone so it doesn't go uh, skunky in their uh, clear glass bottles really much stronger on my fingers than it is in the beer. <laughs> I'm really going to enjoy this. Um, I said last week, you can you know, work it out with carbonation. It will diminish over time um, because it wants to jump out of the glass. Anything other than skunky to anybody? Does anybody get a sort of a different? Kind of smells of weed, like, like marijuana. Yeah. Cheap weed. Cheap weed. <laughs> Bad weed. Could, could uh, light stroke affect hops that are like uh, fresh or not yet in the beer? No, it has to be. Uh, they have to be isomerized uh, during the boil. Um, that's why you don't. You know, otherwise they'd be coming off the vines. Uh, uh, in a bad, uh, bad shape. But it's that isomerization process during the boil. That stabilizes the the alpha acids uh, in solution and, uh, and then makes it susceptible to the uh, to the sun. 
generally it's more of a uh, aroma than a flavor. Um, really not much to say about it. I wonder what Heineken's supposed to taste like. It's always like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they tried releasing it without the, uh, the captain, and no one liked it. So they went back. They reformulated it with the uh, skunk back in it. Right. That's like we talked about last week with you know some of the the uh, German beers that and English beers that come across. You know they have scaling compounds that are because they've traveled a long ways and uh, and people just expect expect that in the U.S. Maybe you should talk about sausage making, Jerome. Or... Um. Good tip for sausage making is becoming familiar with the, uh, the concept of demi cure, and that is the uh, the night before or the day before you are going to grind and stuff your casings. Take your meat, cube it, clean it up. You want to get rid of any gristle. Uh, make sure your fat to lean ratio is where you'd like it. Um, mix it with your seasonings and the salt. Uh, let it rest overnight, and what happens is you get a um, maybe like a Dry brining like effect really good. Cheers a little bit. Pardon me? Cheers a little bit of the salt. Yeah, so you get a, that helps give you a, a better texture in the finished cooked sausage. Um, I think it's important to uh, actually use quite a bit of liquid in your uh, sausage mix um, and using the right amount of salt. I use a range of 1.7%. Uh, to two percent salt, um, based on the weight of the meat used. Um, that is a good range for uh, a nicely seasoned sausage, like a poultry sausage. You might want to use the lighter value, like a, you know, brats, Italian sausage, maybe a little more salt. Um, if you're going to use make a if you're going to make, make a garlic sausage, a good approach is to use a couple different forms, like maybe roast some garlic, use some fresh garlic, use some garlic powder. That'll help give you a broader garlic flavor. Especially handy for nice, rich Polish-style sausage. Should be really garlicky. Um, Which one was skunky? Just smell it. So this is grainy and husky. Yeah. Uh, is there any left in that? Yeah. 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 Yeah
is almost stale as well. It's like a little... Sausage maker, any anything that can be imbibed, drink food, drink, Jerome's the man. Not yet. So this has not quite the uh, the same pull, uh, the top of my mouth as the uh, the stoop citra IPA had. Um, it's a little more subtle, not quite as. Uh, yeah. That stoop IPA was a better example of husky grainy kind of creating an astringent. But it's, it's drying and it almost feels like, you know, you've got a, a piece of cardboard in the back of your throat that's sucking in all the moisture um, and leaving it you know, just a slight cardboard finish. I mean, I, I guess what I imagined would be like to, to chomp on a big piece of cardboard and then, you know, leave that drying. Other people getting that? I'm going to dry. Super subtle. Dry. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's not quite as obvious. Uh, smell it when we're going to taste it. Um, the primary cause uh, of the, uh, the huskiness uh, is going to be uh, either over-sparging, over uh, using sparge water that's uh, uh, it drops the pH of the grain bed and allows more tannic extraction from the actual husk material of the of the barley, um, or sparging too hot. Uh, so basically, 170 is generally the cap. And basically, as a, as a brewer, you're you want to make the sugars uh, as viscous as possible, or as le least viscous as possible. Try to get them as hot as you can uh, without crossing over into the area where you get. To, the tannic extraction, so generally 170 is what brewers will sparge out with. Is that what you do, Alex? With the sparge. <laughs> yes, we never would go over. But is 170 sort of the cap you, you use? Yes, we generally sparge with 168 degree water okay. to avoid going over 
Um, you know, they say that the low levels are acceptable in some loggers. Um, so, you know, an example is you don't have that much green in it, but you need to create, you know, like for a, a light logger that we'll be tasting, you know, shortly, um, you need to, you know, create enough volume of liquid, you know, so you might actually end up, you know, pushing that sparge uh, down to a lower pH and get some additional extraction. Um, I think that the light logger is really about the only one that that's commonly acceptable in. Mm -hmm. Now you certainly wouldn't expect it in a, in a German Pilsner or something where they take a little more craftsmanship uh, with what they're doing. Anybody have any other comments, thoughts? You guys just desperate to get to the Bud Light? Yeah. Is that where we're, that's where we're at? All right, uh, Jerome, uh, tea sandwiches. Tea sandwich? Uh, cucumber is a classic. Cream cheese and turkey. An alternative to cream cheese is you get a nice green, green style yogurt and uh, throw it into a cheesecloth and let it drain overnight. And uh, yeah, it's under astringent. You get a, a lower fat, lower calorie version in case, you know, some people are cream cheese skeptics. Um, I don't really make a lot of tea sandwiches, Peter. Yeah, but, you know, Mark would just be going on and on about how great he is. Too many on about how great Mark is. Mark's a great guy. There we go. He, uh, he's very... Mark, he's very deep. He, uh, we went to a wedding this weekend, and Mark officiated. Did a splendid job. Not a dry eye in the house. Uh, for a man you wouldn't suspect that might have uh, much depth of emotion, he really, he really brought it. Um, very beautiful ceremony. He only uh, just one, um, which was uh, good, nice. You don't want a lot of awkward pauses when you're marrying some folks, especially strangers. Um, for as active as Mark is in the uh, supporting the Baja efforts towards. Um, boosting the number of judges and kind of just the general educational initiatives. He makes really bad beer. <laughs> and, uh, so if you're ever in a situation where he's offering you just something, just be polite. Um, no, actually, he makes great beer. Which makes me think of when last week when Peter and Mark touched on a little bit about the changing experience as hobby brewers. I think one of the things, if you decide to take the exam and get involved in judging, um, judging and homebrew competitions is probably going to be one of the single things that will have uh, a really powerful and positive um, influence on your hobby brewing. I noted. I know. I know from my experience that once I judged a lot, 
that really helped um, me and my home brewing. Um, it's kind of interesting. I've been judging for a while, and uh, even when I was stewarding before I was a certified judge, and just kind of getting samples of homebrew uh, beers that were being evaluated by other judges as a steward, you know, there's a <coughs> a lot of very bad beer. But um, these days, the quality generally is is very very good. So I think that hopefully um, you'll have a a great judging of these experience. But I think that um, drinking a lot of other people's not so great beer is a great um, great great experience. You develop your palate, you know, you develop you you drink a beer and you're supposed to you, you evaluate for faults and be able to come up with a way you like offer solutions to those off flavors and aromas. Um, your beer will improve. All right, so this is uh, DMS. Uh, cooked corn is uh, what a lot of times uh, you get described as. Um, and the compound uh, comes from uh, their, all barley has some precursor, uh, SMM. Um, uh, Pilsner malt especially because of the way it's dried uh, and malted. It has the most of it. Um, it has a 40 minute, 45 minute half-life um, during a vigorous boil. So when the, the, the kettle is turning over, that's being volatilized off during the boil. Um, so a lot of times with Pilsner, you'll see a 90 minute boil to try to minimize the amount of SMM precursor that can then turn into a DMS down the road. Um, uh, don't cover your boil. Because if you cover your boil, you're just, it's collecting on the top of the lid and dropping straight back down in. Uh, you really want to get it out. Um, are people getting? Yes. Creamed corn. Corn. Any other veggies, cooked veggie that anybody else is getting? Like celery, cabbage, or parsnips? Is that what they suggest? Mm -hmm. No, it's pretty corny. Yeah. It is a hard one because it's a specific chemical. Uh, like, it's tough to get uh, without getting another kit to add it and have DMS in an exam, exam beer. Um, but it's not one you necessarily come across a lot judging. Uh, there are a lot more common off flavors, you know, oxidation, uh, you know, formless ammonia, you know, weird phenolic, uh, plasticky phenols. Um, uh, I think a lot of that is because homebrewers typically aren't brewing lagers, uh, using a lot of Pilsner malt, mm -hmm. um, and those that are, are usually a little more advanced, um, you know, so they, they avoid. So basically, cream corn, uh, longer boil, don't cover the boil, um, you know, potentially address ingredients 
chill quickly. Chill quickly. Uh, so the uh, the SMM formation stops below 150 degrees or something like that. So chilling the beer quickly from a boil uh, will prevent the, uh, the the precursor stuff from uh, that's that's potentially still there. Um, long boil, don't cover it. So basically, a counter a counter flow uh, chiller is better than the immersion. Uh, well, actually, an immersion will get the whole five or ten gallons down at once, uh, whereas you know you've still got hot wort um, sitting in the kettle until it goes through the uh, you know whatever the but you know knocking that first thirty degrees off of uh, off of a boil, uh, you know immersion works fine as well. Um, luckily, keeping it right up, you know, if it's sitting right near two hundred and twelve degrees, you're still getting some volatile volatilization. Uh, and hopefully you've driven most of it off during the boil anyway, so that you know, I think cooling isn't necessarily as as big a deal as yeah. it might have once been. But yeah. So when you knock down it, you know the walls with some uh, hops. That's where you can create these. Uh, you know, uh, the walls remain hot, but cooling slowly. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. And yeah. If I understand you well. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you, if you toss in, you know, hop you know, pellets, especially at knockout, um, and it forms a, a cap on it, you know, there's still some, there's still some transfer. I mean, it's certainly not, you know, when you see the uh, the, uh, the vapor coming off of the, uh, the hot surface, it's certainly not hops. Um, so, you know, there's got to be some sort of transfer that's happening uh, between the two levels. But, you know, so hopefully by the end of a 60-minute boil for, uh, you know, something not using Pilsner malt, you're pretty safe. You, you know, yeah, boil the crud out of it. I would suspect that the vigorous boil is much more important than being concerned about knocking out too slow. Yeah. Um, it's based on my experience. I've had, I don't feel like I've gotten a DMS. You know, after a vigorous boil, let's say, uh, you know, the brew in the summertime when the groundwater is a higher temperature, it <coughs> could take longer to to, to knock out, I don't feel like I've had DMS in, in my beers. So, yeah, more about the boil, I would yeah. suspect. And like I said, it's not one that you really come across much, yeah, uh, at least at homebrew, and even, <coughs> I can't think of a commercial example that I've had anytime recently from a local brewery either. Yeah, it seems like the New Belgian Wick beer. Because there's my palate has a very firm cooked celery flavor, which I attribute to how they use coriander. So I'm just gonna pass this around after we your sign in. Your mileage may vary. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not, uh, not terribly common. All right, so now that we have, we're finished with off flavors. I promise you butter it. Taste American uh, standard American beers. Well, we had the course, so I had to do something different for.
Specific, you said ready. Oh, we're talking about the regular spring. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's more like a polenta. Um, is that is like a, a medium, a medium grit or a, like a rough, low country? Oh, you're the you're the pro. Grit. You're the pro. No, it's it's less offensive than the cream corn, canned corn, to me. But it's certainly. <coughs> So like this, this might be an example of beer where the filter style beer aren't that much. As the DNS, as part of the yeah, it says like DNS is not a fault. Yeah, that one. And obviously, brilliantly clear, pretty pale in color. Pours um, uh, with you know medium bubble head that drops quickly. Otherwise, you know, the body is obviously very, very light. Um, you know, Mark talked last week about the final gravity being, you know, close to or below the, the gravity of water at 1.00. Um, you know, this is going to fit sort of, right? Maybe 1.002 final gravity. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty lightweight. Uh, a lot of times they'll use uh, uh, added enzymes to really get all the unfermentable dextrins and, and carbohydrates out of the beer. Mm -hmm. uh, dry it out uh, uh, you know, to an astounding level. 
Yeah. It's hard to talk about. Um, you know, sort of a light graininess. Corn is present. Maybe some hop character, hop flavor. A little bit of acetaldehyde, green apple. Um, there's actually, when we, we talk about that fault, but I mean, basically it's because they're not allowing the yeast to clean up after itself uh, uh, because of the beechwood aging. <laughs> oh, tell them about your beechwood stash back there. Yeah. <laughs> Inoffensive, which is probably a, a high praise yeah. for this style of beer. That is, yeah. It's supposed to be broadly appealing. Any, anybody else have anything? Inoffensive. Intense to add to uh, to this? It would be bad to put crushable on there. Crushable, sure. Uh, you know, ingredients are going to be uh, two row or six row uh, American malt, uh, high percent of adjunct uh, corn or uh, rice that they're just getting sugars from uh, to to create alcohol uh, and with as little body as possible. Um, I suppose they could even just be adding straight corn sugar or something. Dextrose? Uh, Probably not. But you know, same effect. It's uh, too expensive. <laughs> no, it says strong flavors are involved. <laughs> flavors are an issue. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and take another step up, uh, step up our ladder. Do American ball. <laughs> Like a hop aroma, okay. but 
like yeah. really yeah. searching for. I think very slight apple or pear. I like that pear. Um, color is slightly darker. Um, so uh, maybe it's not even slightly darker. Uh, a slight hue straw. Yeah. Um, again, brilliant clarity. Very uh, heavy polished. This one feels weightier on the uh, on the palate. Um, you know, like a little more body, uh, a little more sweetness lingering. Um, yeah, I still feel like it's a spicy hot flavor as well. Um, but definitely low end. Tears. Spread out these seasons with mustache wax. The hopes and dreams. Um, you know, basically uh, a big brother <coughs> to the American Light Lager. Same thing. Uh, two row or six row American Pills Malt. Um, uh, some portion of adjunct corn and rice being the most typical. To lighten the body, uh, trying to appeal to a wide a, an audience as possible, um, uh, and be you know, brewed efficiently and sold at incredibly low prices uh, across the uh, across the country. Um, Absolutely. What else is there to say? Yeah. Now you know why Mark's not here. Well, that, actually, you know, <laughs> as far as style goes, you know, this is very tight. Between these two beers, this is a very tight range of flavors. I mean, they both have a lot in common, and it basically just comes down to the alcoholic strength, yeah, in a way. And but they really have to drive the body out of the, the, the way line. some of these industrial beers are manufactured. You could have one longer production stream <clears> and <throat> then just have it watered down <clears throat> by brand. Yeah. So that's, that, that's where you will get a lot of similarities between different brands, <laughs> Bud Light, Bud, and whatever, Super Premium there. Yeah. That's what Bud so, does is they brew a high strength beer. Yeah. All right, so next in the American uh, American Standard beer, is that what category we're in? Standard American beer. This is uh, Pelican's Kawanda Cream Ale.
So this is, uh, I mean, essentially an ale brewer's version of uh, American premium lager, um, or American standard American lager, uh, except that it's brewed using an ale yeast. Oh, yeah, I keep passing. Uh, uh, to basically compete with that mass market. Uh, and there's not actually any cream in it. Yeah, it's a terrible name for a beer. Cream is a uh, marketing term. Little citrus, little pear. Um, Intensity. There's no. just a lot of different yeah. things no, in there. Can we get minimal tangerine? Yeah. yeah. No, there's definitely a, a citrus component. It's probably about the same color as the. Uh, previous beer, but it's uh, got a bit of a haze to it, so it looks a little darker. So the flavor goes through a lot of different places for me. Citrus got uh, like a, the, from the grainy off flavor so it's almost got a little bit of a graininess to it uh, in the finish um, I'm getting it's not quite a bubblegum phenol but it's certainly somewhere up in that area some odd phenol in the middle um, not not quite unpleasant like a smoky vinyl or something along those lines but maybe along that vein Phenolic or estuary? Uh, Bubblegum's a phenol, I believe. And by phenol, I mean phenol. Phenol. So I always associate bubblegum with, like, describing, like, chewing gum. Yeah. That is more of a, uh, has a fruity aspect to it. Yeah, no, it's definitely got that. Yeah. But for some reason, I think it's in the, like, the phenol more, flavor more, side. More saccharine, more, more bubblegum sweet. Yeah, I can see that yeah. having it more of a chemical. Um, you know, again, not a ton of flavor. It's it's you know, an ale brewer's take on uh, on a light summer uh, summer beer. Uh, a lot of times nowadays they'll actually lager it to, um, or brew it to brew it with a mixed grain yeast, an ale yeast, and a lager yeast. That has kind of green apple thing going on. That I would, I would, I would know, and maybe uh, would affect the score. 
to spit it out on the table. <laughs> yeah, it says, you know, this can have a light DMS, um, low to moderate corny, corny flavor. Which I get. Yeah. That's the, the sweetness for me is mm -hmm. sort of corn, uh, corn sweet. Anybody else? Anything? Finishes uh, crisp. Some light drying late in the finish. Yeah, so I think it's a little mm -hmm. husky. Just like the jeans my mom made me. Uh, so this is actually, you know, just to digress a little bit, uh, 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 Mark and I origin story. Uh, you know, essentially, uh, drove down to see my wife's grandmother um, down in uh, Reedsport. Stopped by here, stopped by Rogue. Really loved the beer, found it nice and refreshing. Brewed it, entered it in Mark's uh, Pro-Am competition. And it got picked to be brewed up at uh, Diamond Knot. Seven years ago, something like that. Uh, but that's how I first met Mark. And uh, cool. So. So that. Heartwarming ending. Yes. Yes. I'm glad he's not here, so I don't have to cry. All right. So we're moving on to uh, American Wheat here. This is American wheat, which uh, doesn't share much other than wheat with its uh, German cousin. Um, so, you know, rather than the uh, man and clove notes you get uh, in a German wheat beer, uh, Appleisen. Uh, this is uh, cleaner yeast. Um, it says potentially more hop character. Yes. Thing yeah. right up front. 
Lemon and apple. Yeah. Lemon and pepper. But the more I get into it, it's like a slice of yeah, I know that. that you break the McDonald's that. apple pie in half and you get the Oh not that good. Uh, <laughs> no, you know that just that very neutral crust on top yeah. of the uh, the crust, a little fruity, yeah, slightly spicy, warm, spicy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, not much pop character. No. Um, Yellow color, moderate haze. Anybody get anything now that Jerome said warm apple pie, fresh apple pie? Anything uh, other than that? Making the uh, the apple pie. Yeah. Oh well, it, it, you know the the apple is an ester. Um, I get like a little bit of like stone fruit sweetness that I attribute to esters. Okay. Like plumminess almost, like just like really great and subtle. Yeah. Maybe a little uh, overripe peach. Yeah. Rotten peach. Good one. <laughs> overripe. We're polite around here. Good one, Peter. Fallen. We say caddy instead of cat pee. No, no. Butyric and not fecal. Yeah. <laughs> well, flavor wise, not much malt character. Um, almost aqueous, sort of disappears. Then there's a pretty pronounced. Is it, is it green apple? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's certainly uh, an underripe, appley uh, in the finish. Um, yeah. Uh, not really any hot flavor. Not really any of the. to speak of. I'm sorry, what? Not much better just to speak of. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the the green apple also sort of plays into that. Uh, you sort of expect it to to, to have that uh, Granny Smith acidity. Um, not, you know, I'm not getting. You know, normally with a be looking for that wheat to present itself as sort of a. a White bready um, uh, crumb, sort of uh, sweetness. You know, sort of a, just a, a little bit of a richness, a little bit of lushness that I'm not getting uh, in this uh, in this beer. Um, yeah. You know. Slightly yeah, I was thinking that, but I'm like, am I just? Yeah. Is it just remaining uh, in? You know, from the off flavor at this point. It's a, yeah. yeah, I got a little husky again. Yeah, like, huh? Again? Yeah, again. Um, yeah, so I mean, style is you know, light to moderately uh, strong, bready, doughy, grainy wheat flavor. Uh, 
this is certainly a very light example. Um, Green apple is uh, inappropriate. Um, you know, they specifically say you know you're not supposed to have clove phenols. You're not supposed to have banana esters. You know, to really separate it out from that that German hefeweizen or uh, dunkelweizen. Um, you know, obviously, Wittenberg hefeweizen causes you know intense confusion in the market. People are used to that being a, a, a hefeweizen. And you get a German epilogue, and it's completely different. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, now we're going into international loggers. Much more chic. Essentially, they describe the international lager style as, you know, every country has a mass market lager um, that uh, are similar to uh, an American style. And we're still dancing in the range of, you know, not supposed to have intense flavors. character. Yeah. It's hard to say, you know, something more specific than Um, Whitehead. 
seems like it comes in a stubby bottle. vegetal because that's an, a, a negative connotation but a, you know a floral green almost corny almost corny I was thinking more of when you said the cooked cereal I think that was closer running out of words to describe. Well, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say. You know, the, the cooked cereal has a certain corn aspect to it. You know, I think of a breakfast cereal. Um, yeah, as it warms up, especially. Somebody, does somebody say corn pops? Yeah. <laughs> it, it does have a, a little more apparent pop character. Yeah. Just Moderately more bitter. flowery. Not like wheat flour, but like yeah. cut flour, begonia, begonia. <laughs> Lupin's aster. Oh no, not no, aster. not aster. <laughs> Idiot. Daisy buttercup. <laughs> no, I'll give you buttercup. Definitely not daffodil. Oh no, it's the devil's flowers. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, again, I think it's a, you know a step up the intensity ladder from standard American uh, lager, um, just because there's less adjunct used uh, typically. So you're, you know, the more barley you're putting into the mash tun, the more barley flavor you're getting out, even though you're using minimal you know, for a five percent beer, a four point eight percent. Moving on to uh, International Amber Lager. So 
Awesome. Joseki's Amber. <laughs> Somebody just say this is the perfect beer. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. when you really you, you start turning the corner like we did last week with the Vienna lager um, into a, a more highly kilned, kilned malt so this one there's just a, a mild toasty red crust yeah but very lightly toasted yeah. um, almost just stale like a four on my toaster <laughs> Precisely. Mm -hmm. uh, there's still uh, a little bit of a corn note to it. Papery starts coming on about a third of the way through the sip and takes me straight through the finish. So. Or is it a kind of a sherry-like, fruity, well, sherry-like, staling uh, thing? Uh, so there's some good oxidation yeah. up front, and then some bad oxidation the rest of the way through. Yeah. So, you know, <coughs> that's delightful. Anybody? Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's Everybody getting the paper? How old is that beer? January 13th, 2008? Uh, 2006. Yeah. Woo. 
That was something they were doing. They were using a lot of uh, anger. Clearly showing how much they hate us. Or there was a lot of uh, oh, I can just learn it. There's no date. There's no date, but I can go to a Dosecki's full moon party. Chance to enter. National Dark Water. I believe. Uh, I believe they just gave you their your full moon party. <laughs> All right. So now we're going to pale multi-European lager. No. International Dark Lager. Yes, that is exactly what I was thinking. I bet you can take that. Yeah, Dixie lacking the voodoo. better state than uh, the Dos Equis. Sherry or sweet cherry? It's a sort of sweeter sherry, kind of just a slight to the There's a light fruity note. Yeah. I can't quite put it. I just know there's some fruit going on and like raisins and dried plums. Ooh, raisins. Oh, yeah. yeah. It tastes like the dates. Yeah. Maybe toffee better than uh, than buttery. So that's the 
sugar and like butters all come together. Very sweet compared to the American lager, the international lager, um, with the, the, the dark, dried fruit notes, um, a little almost fruit cakey with all that dried fruit. Low to medium malty sweetness with medium low to no caramel and or roast malt flavors. You think that that is is that more than medium? It's, I would, I would say, yeah. You know, if, if I was going to put it in medium, I'd say, boy, you're really right on the uh, yeah, on the line of pushing. The high side of medium. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it doesn't have tremendous caramel notes or roast fault, or roast notes, although there's sort of a little bit of a burnt paper acridity in the, uh, uh, in the finish. Really no hop flavor, moderately low hop bitterness. There's a light papery cardboardy note that lingers on into the finish along with a little bit of the, that raisin. Maybe sweet plum. Mm -hmm. Not quite to the dude. The degree that the Dos Equis have. Oh, good heavens, no. <laughs> what are other people? Uh... Alex, what are you getting? I got the fruits um, up front. Sweet, finishes a lot sweeter. Carmeline. The caramel malt, lots of caramel malt. Lots of caramel. Bit of metallic taste for me. But that's like, I, I feel like I get that in most amber beers for whatever reason, but. Could be all the metal they added to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta get that copper color somehow. <laughs> um, it's sweeter than I would have. But I mean, it, it says a dark and somewhat sweeter version. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's mm, compara comparatively, you know, we didn't have that sweet the stuff we've been drinking. I right. mean, you know, I don't know that it's a somewhat sweeter in comparison. Um, you know, the sweetness may be a bit overdone uh, in this particular uh, uh, example of the style. Right. Also says the balance is typically somewhat malty, and I would definitely say it's mm, it leans it's not malty sweetness. Yeah. Uh, surprised that it's not a little darker, um, a deep amber to dark brown. But when you talk about dark lager, you know you've been talking about amber lager, and you know, this is maybe a dark amber. But I you know, wouldn't be shocked if I was ordered an amber beer and got this color beer. I thought it seemed like uh, in, uh, unbalanced in that regard. That this the appearance of it was so much more just an amber, yeah. but the smell was, you did get that the dark pieces to it, yeah. like that you would think it, just smelling it, 
you'd think that it was a darker beer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, certainly the, uh, the, the deeper fruitiness mm -hmm. that, that you get with like a dark uh, caramel and plummy. All right, now can we move on? Certainly. Okay. And we talked about uh, the Meritzen uh, and the Festbeer. So this week we have the Festbeer. Basically, they separated out the lighter colored that are typically served in uh, Germany uh, during Oktoberfest, which with what we expected, uh, you know, Americans expected their Oktoberfest to be Meritzen's. Uh, so this is what Hinchtefaner Fest beer. There might be a Hellas. Uh, hang on. Let me go. I don't know why you guys put me in charge anyway. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and we'll start at the Hellas. <laughs> I'm just so excited to talk about the festivator. I'm very excited to hear you. You didn't play the Well, at least there's no Moonster Alt this week. So I'm already feeling better. Uh, so this is the, uh, the both of these beers are going to be Weinstefaner. Uh, this is the uh, Weinstefaner uh, original. So you know, a lot of times that is when uh, you know, a pilsner is showing some age and that that's turning into a sweeter Yes, from the house. 
start for me to get past the uh, the honey bear yeah. sort of sweetness. It was like on, on snip forward. In a way, I had gotten used to the sweetness. Mm -hmm. I get the, the little lessiness. There's some kind of schnapps. Mm, yeah. What are these? Some sort of schnapps. I don't know what kind of schnapps. Honey schnapps. Uh, I, I, I call it fruits. Fruits, which is these three. Pale yellow. Good clarity. Yeah. Like it's turned the corner. You know, this is a very pale beer coming from uh, from Germany. Um, seems like you know might have been much better in, in a fresher state. Mm -hmm. Well, we were just saying, you know, like with this particular style, if you go to a bottle shop, who really is going to buy? Is searching for a buyer to step on our Ellis. Besides nerdy people like myself. Well, um, there, there are a lot of servicemen that come back though and like the, the German beers. You know. So this bottle could have sat for a while. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the most reputable of body shop bottle shops either. So yeah, where did you go? Definitely ninety nine <laughs> bottles. I'm just, oh. I'm just given the given the hassle. Um, but it's it's tough with a beer this light. I mean, it is, does not get treated well in the shipping container across the sea. Um, it finishes in there. <laughs> yeah. Honey transitioning into cardboard again. <coughs> I don't really get much hot flavor. Maybe a, a slightly green vegetal, you know, just that says, yeah, there were hops thrown in here at some point. supposed to be a Pills Malt Showcase. You want to get it fresh. Yeah. Um, good Hellas is, you know, fantastic. Uh, you know. To the style, I do taste a little bit of the corn. The corn. Yeah, get, uh, go get Chuck and Hellas and... Uh, There's not a lot much. Yeah, sorry, Pierre, I have that much for you. It's good fresh. Yeah. We were just over there and we're like, oh, Hopefully, the fest beer is, uh, is uh, less encumbered with the uh, the aging process. Um, hopefully, it's early for this. I did not get this from uh, a, a less than reputable bottle shop. This one came from a total wine.
unlike the uh, Oktoberfest Meritzen uh, examples, this one's pours uh, uh, golden. Um, it's actually throwing a decent haze. Intensity of, of honey, and I think it's it's less clear cut, like say clover or cheap honey to me. The, the Fester is likely to be fresher if it's this year. You know, it would be released just about now. So it would take two months to get here if it's like not really like It's certainly uh, sweet, moderate to moderate high body in terms of, you know, it's really full. Oxidation not quite as present in the uh, for me in this one uh, as the other one, the Ellis. Uh, but it doesn't seem fresh either. Yeah, there's definitely a lot working against it. I get a fairly nice, spicy, uh, peppery hop note uh, flavor going into the finish. That sort of lingers like uh, you know, like black pepper, you know, after a heavily black peppered uh, steak up wall. I'm gonna throw a glass at some point. Just warning you. I didn't do it. Yeah, I like this a lot better than the, the Hellas. Yeah. Say it deftly balances strength and drinkability. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Very deft. Um, you know, the, the, the one thing that's uh, a little bit strange to me is, is the haze on it. The, the, the other bottles end up with a haze as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just expect uh, most German beers to come out completely you know, brilliant. Yeah. Someone will. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Um, but yeah, so this is what you'd expect at uh, Oktoberfest in Munich. You know, this light, drinkable, um, you know, I guess slightly more malt balance than, than hot balance and hot bitterness, but you know, still, they're both components are present in the beer, uh, you know, so that you can uh, drink liters of it and then pee at the table. Uh, it's key. Um, and I don't, uh, I don't have a Hellesbach uh, uh, example. I'll probably find one, you know, clean it up, uh, kick myself. Uh, but you know, basically, the Hellesbach is a is a light Bach beer, a stronger beer. Um, you know, basically taking the Helles and, and amping it up to seven, seven and a half percent. Please be the range. A seven. Seven to seven point four percent, maybe. Um, so you get uh, uh, more intensity in the malt. Uh, it's got a much bigger uh, mouthfeel. Uh, you end up with the, the residual dextrins that, that really, you know, a much weightier uh, beer to uh, to consume. Um, you know, Maybachs are typically uh, good examples. Uh, the Gordon Biersch's Maybach and Winterbach, which uh, I believe are the same. You know, just turn the knob from yeah. May to winter. Yeah. Uh, and it's it going to be an excellent example, especially down uh, at uh, uh, Pacific Place. Uh, have you ever brewed Maybach? I have. And it's pretty much exactly the way you describe it. Richer, <laughs> richer, stronger. Uh, it's a, a malt palace beer. Um, a little more, maybe a perception of bitterness, a little more hot flavor to kind of keep things balanced, so drinkable, it's, so it's not a climb on the palate. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all German beers are, are going to come across as well attenuated, so it's not a, you know, it, it is a bigger beer, it has a bigger mouthfeel, but it is not cloying, it is not building on your palate and sticking. <coughs> Yes, the, uh, the, the European attenuation, yeah. the effort towards drinkability in pretty much all things, especially in German beers. Yeah. You know, it's it's all about being able to put quite a bit of it down, yeah. as far as crushing it as you, as you. <laughs> Very crushable. The uh, history of the festive beers is Polliner wanted it to be more poundable. Bad Brewer said that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that does it. Um, so yeah, that was a bunch of very light beers that we basically said the same things about. Um, we probably could have gotten out of here about an hour ago. Uh, that is the last thing on the agenda, I believe. Um, you know, keep drinking uh, beers and thinking about them. You know, even if you're not putting pen to paper, uh, as long as you're mindfully drinking, um, you know, and whatever words you come up with are, are great. Um, next week we uh, talk about malt, I believe, uh, which will be fun. Um, and then we're going to drink uh, strong European beer, Scottish ale and Irish beer. Uh, and hopefully uh, next week we will figure out what we're doing about uh, Memorial Day or Labor Day, uh, since that will be coming up. Um, 
like last week, uh, except we don't have Dion here to, uh, to herd, uh, herd us. Uh, Alex, if you can uh, help get everything cleaned up and, and back, and thanks to Airways for uh, letting us host here. And uh, I think we are done. <laughs>